0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking my projections on Roto-Viz
0: Radio. What's up,
2: Roto-Viz?
1: Welcome into the Rodoviz fantasy football podcast i 'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz. I have finished my first pass of projections and that's right this This is a long grueling process now we get to go through the exercise of having somebody come in and point out all. Of the things that I may have failed to see, (laughs) which they're going to be a lot because at this point, I have not done much bouncing these off of other opinions that are out there. I've not shown these to anybody yet, and I have not done a super critical review to see if anything doesn't line up. So Curtis is going to have the pleasure right now of making a pass through these projections, kind of poking around seeing what he finds. I'll add a couple of comments a little bit after, but Curtis, did, did I see some bourbon in a glass for you tonight?
2: Yeah, uh, you did. Uh, I, I poured some four roses tonight. Um, yeah, that's, it, it felt appropriate for the mood. Um, this is, this is definitely going to be an episode of road of raw, uh, because, uh, we are really just looking at an incredible amount of new data, uh, that's still, um, Hidden on the site uh, as of this recording, uh, but it's probably close to being published there, Dave. So this is like the first, uh, this is the first like live reaction slash scrubbing. Um, So it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, It does take us right into uh, this episode's FFPC stat attack because, man, as I'm kind of flipping through the positions here and and looking at all of your, your outputs... I noticed something with the wide receivers, five of the wide receivers in the top 20 in your first pass of projections actually changed teams uh, for the 2022 season. So we've got Devontae Adams up there at wide receiver three with a blistering 345 P, uh, PPR points. Uh, we also have Tyree kill coming in at wide receiver eight, of course, now down in Miami uh, Marquise Brown, the new Arizona Cardinal reunited with his college buddy, Kyler Murray. Wide receiver, 14. Uh, we have Juju Smith-Schuster of the Kansas City Chiefs at wide receiver, 19. So th- this exercise is p- certainly going to put us on some potential values uh, once we understand kind of Dave's approach to how he arrived at these numbers with these respective teams. And then Christian Kirk, the guy who single-handedly changed the construct of the salary cap uh, <laughs> wide receiver, 20. Uh, new Jaguars, alpha wide receiver. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. A couple of those guys, man, if they finish here, they would prove to be huge values over uh, at the FFPC. Of course, right now our our primary focus is their best ball tournament. Uh, Rotoviz took first and second place last year, looking to do that again this year. You can check out all of the FFPC best ball tournament ADP in our best ball tools here on the site, um, which is, which is great. Actually, put in a little teaser on the fastest rising running back in the uh, rounds after the uh, top two rounds in today's premium email. Um, so you you can find little nuggets like that uh, very easily cruising uh, through the tools. So Dave, uh man, uh you know, I was applauding as you were kind of doing the intro here. This is such a huge lift. And before I maybe point out a couple of the things that stood out to me at each position that are player specific, maybe just give us like, a 90 second overview of how our projections are built because this is such a robust uh this is such a robust uh, i guess process and i want people to know how much like sweat you're putting into this because it's really it's really cool <laughs> yep. and you've got years and years and you've got years and years of practice now
1: yes So first thing I'm looking at is how a team performed last year in terms of win and loss record. Then I'm looking at the amount of running plays, amount of passing plays they ran, where they compared against league average in the year prior, thinking about what things might have impacted those totals for the coming year, setting rushing and uh, rushing attempts, passing attempts. From there, I am then allocating out the targets, the rushing attempts passing attempts, those considerations to specific players in the offense. Also thinking about where each player is going to fall out on the depth chart. And then from there, I'm assigning that player rate stats. So receiving touchdown percentage yards per rushing attempt, uh, rushing touchdown percentage, things like that to arrive at each player's specific um, line stat line for the coming year. Um, largely doing this, assuming that most players are going to play their full complement of games. Uh, so it starts at the team level, works down to dividing the pie, and then player specifics.
2: Yeah, and, and I love this because it, you know, unless you've actually sat down and, and gone through the process of projections yourself, I mean, you have to be working from something, um, and and it really should be plays. Um, but if it if it's not plays, it ought to at least you know, have some level of adjustment for, you know, team to team factors, you know, win loss record, uh, you know, positive slash trailing game scripts. I mean any number of ways that you could adjust and then, you know, apply some of that rationale. That's how you're gonna divide things up. But ultimately, I mean, we can't just say that, you know, Devin Singletary is going to have 900 yards rushing, and James Cook is going to have 900 yards rushing, and Josh Allen's going to have 600. Right. I mean, you know, you're working backwards from what the team can actually do with the number of plays it's going to run and the the situations it's going to be in. So, uh, I, I'm just uh, in in awe of your ability to to do that times 32, and then also consider, you know, um, at, at some point, what one team does affects what the other teams do. Um, this is all a very dynamic adjustment process. But yep. uh, one thing that the listeners might not know is they can actually use our projection machine to do their own projections, yep. um, which is really cool. So you might listen to Dave and I on this episode or or get in there and, and look at his stuff when we post it face up here uh, soon on the site and be like, what are you guys talking about? Like, uh, I could do this so much better than you. Um, or maybe you just you know have a couple players that you know you're really interested in and want to see what would have to happen in the team context for them to to have that breakout season. You're thinking about um, this is a tool that could be used in that way as well. It's called our NFL projection machine. So just go to rotoviz.com, click on the tools tab, and you can scroll over to um, you can scroll over to that tool and and, and give it a shot uh, yourself. So that's a great kind of lead in, Dave. I, we'll just go maybe position by position. I thought I'd maybe call out a couple of the quarterbacks that were were standing out to me. Yep. And some of these answers might be simple. Some of them might be complex. And then I, I want to see who stood out to you as well as you were doing this, if anybody yeah. just yep. in the process was, uh, was high or low. So starting with quarterback, I mean, Kyler Murray is the QB one. And, and this season, I mean, this would be, I mean he's the MVP I got to think if he puts up this this line 5220 passing yards uh 29 passing touchdowns um does get back to a, a little bit of the ground production again in this model which is great uh 586 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns 443 fantasy points for Kyler Murray and for those of you that play six point uh passing touchdown leagues it would be a 500 point season really impressive so So Dave, um, what gave you the confidence or what, what in the model is feeding uh, this type of output for, for Murray?
1: Sure. So, so the first thing I'll say is when I make my first pass, I'm going in completely blind. I am not bringing in my thoughts on that player that particular year, I'm really just punching in the numbers that make sense to me. So Arizona last year had 584 passing attempts. Uh, They, they ran 54% passing plays to 46% rushing. For Arizona this year, I'm holding that split somewhat in line. I actually have them passing 57% of the time, rushing 43. So that's 642 passing attempts, which is a bit of an increase. However, when um, I think about the way that I expect this team to pass this year, I do think that we're going to see a pretty significant increase in passing attempts. So that's one place where my projections could overstate things. I also have Murray accounting for 21% of the team's rushing work. Uh, To give you the insight into what he did last year, um, let me quickly pull that up. I was looking at James Conner, wrong one. So last year for Murray, he had a rushing market share of 22%, was 28% the year before. So a slight decrease moving into this year, Curtis. Uh, Completion percentage of around 71% is what things aggregated up to for him. Last year, he was at 70%. Um, An important note with the way that we have built out our projections, you are assigning each wide receiver a reception percentage and that aggregates up to the quarterback so that you're not saying... Murray's going to have 68% and then trying to allocate that to the receivers. You're actually looking at each receiver quarterback pairing, assigning the rate and then letting it bottle up that way. So it puts him at 29 passing touchdowns, which I think is pretty reasonable. Um, Last year, he was at 24 and 14 games. So when you assume, you know, another two and change per game, uh, that's, that's nothing too radical. So that's kind of the quick and dirty of how we get there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see this happening. It, you, it would require seven, a, a full seventeen games played uh, by Kyler, and you know, we we would need to get an entire healthy season from Zach Ertz and, and Hollywood Brown. And when I think when Hopkins comes back, he would need to be able to to produce. Yep. Um, but this certainly, I mean, the range of outcomes, we talked a little bit about last week, also. Uh, likes Kyler this year, so it's interesting to see this result too um you know th- one of the things I've noted uh, you know across you know just tons of drafting so far this year is you know Kyler is kind of that half tier below that first set of guys yep. um consistently you you very rarely see him going um above q b four and often you know you can get him q b six q b seven because there are drafts where Lamar Jackson will go before him. There are drafts where Jalen hurts and Tom Brady will go before him. I've seen Joe Burrow go before him uh, when teams are, are stacking quarterback uh, quarterback and receiver pairings in the early rounds. So he could end up being an immense value um, which would be, you know, really fun because he is, he's a fun player root for it's great to see that he already showed up uh, to to camp um, along with Hollywood earlier this week as well. Another, Quarterback on the well, hold on, can, on can, I, can we, I
1: just interject yeah. there for one second? Because yeah. I think people, this is this is worthwhile. If I adjust the teams' rushing and passing attempts back to levels from last year, you you end up with something where he kind of makes up a little bit in the rushing stats for the decrease in the passing, uh, and he does just fall under Josh Allen. Josh Allen just edges him out. Uh, well, I shouldn't say just, just edges him out, beats him by about thirty. But the point is, even if I do a more conservative approach for Murray, it still looks very good.
2: Yeah. So that, yeah, either way, looks like um, you know maybe he's the that upside quarterback fantasy play that we're always hunting for. Kind of in those you know rounds five to eight, it always seems like somebody ends up outperforming, and that's why people draft quarterbacks in the third round again the following year. Uh, and, and just trying to lock that production in instead of finding the next guy that's going to do it. The other name, there's a couple other names that stood out, um, but I thought we would talk about this one because he's really gained a lot of steam the past couple of weeks. And I think this is a good potential reality check. Russell Wilson at, at QB 16, you know, so he goes over to Denver um, with a much more aggressive and modern uh, play caller. Um, helping to design this offense with uh, Nathaniel Hackett, of course, one of the architects uh, of the Aaron Rodgers, you know, Green Bay years. So, you know, what's what's driving that for Denver? I mean, he's got about a thousand passing yards fewer than Kyler, and about half of the rushing production. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so what's is is that pace of play, or are there some efficiency issues? What what's driving that?
1: Yeah. So last year, Denver was 45 plays below average in terms of pacing. Now I know that there's been some changes. Um, Oftentimes when we do have these changes though, it might take a year before we get like the full ramification of those changes. So I have them on a play volume that's going to bring them closer to league average. You still have a split that's around forty-seven percent rushing, fifty-three uh, percent passing. Falls pretty similarly to how things did last year. But when you compare a play volume like that to what Murray is going to have, it creates a pretty big difference. I also think that when you look at what um, Wilson has been able to do as a rusher in recent years, we haven't seen you know a six rushing touchdown season. Um, you know he's been at two rushing touchdowns the last two years, given the two running backs that they have in that team's offense, I don't think that you're going to see a situation where he goes beyond two or three rushing touchdowns. I have him pegged in for two. And at 4.3 yards per carry on 57 rushing attempts, you're only getting into that 250 type of range. So in comparison to a lot of these other quarterbacks, even at 29 passing touchdowns, it's going to be hard for him to get a yardage total that puts him up into that stratosphere of 5,000. And then he's not accruing as much production with his legs uh, as many of the other players, the younger players in particular, that you would see in the final set of projections that I have have produced.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Call com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um one thing that you can look at in the projection machine is the offensive coordinator. Um the offensive coordinator's personal history. So the um whether as a head coach or an OC. Yep. And so we can see in here with Nathaniel Hackett what he was doing the past couple years uh, in Green Bay and in Jacksonville. So that's that's pretty interesting. And when I look at the team total play uh, projection you've got for Denver this year with 1,021 plays, I mean, that would actually outpace, uh, you know, I think, well, it'd be on pace adjusting from 16 to 17 games and basically be on pace with the most two recent seasons he had done in Green Bay. Yep. Um, So I I think that's reasonable. You know, I I think Russ going to Denver puts them in a situation where um, they can be more aggressive, but they're also more likely to be in some more, many more game neutral um, or leading game scripts um, than they've been in the past too. So, you know, the 53 to 47 uh, pass to rush split that you have, I don't mind either. I, I just thought it was notable. Um, you know, Russ hasn't really crept. I haven't seen drafts where he's gone in that like top seven, but he's a very popular QB like eight to 10. Exactly. So in in almost every draft that I do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I'm seeing that a lot in underdog drafts. Things get to Joe Burrow, right. And the passers ahead of him. And then people lay off of quarterback for a little bit. There's a bit of a dry spell in quarterback. Then they pop back in with Wilson, Prescott, Brady, those yep. feel like the passers there now, of course, just because he's coming out as the quarterback 16 in these projections doesn't mean that I'm drafting him as such. I still think that when I'm drafting, I'm putting him in that range. That's between eight to 11 ish. Cause that feels a little bit more appropriate when I consider all of the other factors and things that could go wrong for some of the players that I have in front of him versus the probability of things really breaking poorly for him this year.
2: All right, let's kick over to running back. And there's a couple, you know, standouts there as well. Um, Probably the first one would be a a reminder, I guess, of of what Saquon Barkley can do in a fully healthy year. I mean, RB6, um, you know, that's, you know, as many as a half half a dozen spots above where he's being drafted oftentimes. And, you know, I've gotten him in, in the mid third plenty of times. Uh, uh, on underdog in particular. So, you know, he's really approximating what Eckler and Najee Harris are doing in, in this model. So uh, I don't really see anything necessarily standing out, but this is really kind of a middle of the road projection, you know, 1100 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns, 57 receptions, just two receiving touchdowns. So, I mean, I think these are like highly reasonable if he stays healthy. And they also probably don't capture what his actual upside would be if he has kind of regained that electric, you know, home run ability that he had as a rookie and in, in uh, for part of his second season. So, does anything stick out about the Giants or Barkley uh, specifically for you?
1: Well, I guess one thing that I would say is my underlying assumptions are assuming that we do see New York function as a slightly better offense in the coming year. If you looked at Daniel Jones's numbers, they're not, anything that's going to look very different than what you might expect or what he did last year. But if you look at the team as a whole, there is some improvement as a result. Uh, They're increasing their pacing. They they actually go above league average in plays, which I think is reasonable. 63% of the rushing attack, 13% for Saquon, four yards per carry, eight rushing touchdowns, which isn't anything crazy, 10 total touchdowns. This does feel like a very baseline projection, uh, for a player like Barkley, you're just left with that question that everybody's going to have in their mind of how many games do you actually get from Barkley? But what it underlines is assuming that the Saquon is able to approximate what we've seen from Saquon before, he should be a player that even with that, you know, baseline type of volume is going to return very nicely, especially where we see him going this year.
2: Yeah. uh, I think the other thing that I'm seeing here is, well, there's a couple other things that I'm seeing. Really, once you get down to RB3, which is Derrick Henry and this uh, first pass model that you've done, until you get down, I mean, to RB8, you're only talking about a difference of a a point a game. Yeah. I'm separating the RB3 through the RB8, who uh, happens to be DeAndre Swift here. Then, then you get into, you know, kind of another big, long, flat tier, uh, that, that goes from David Montgomery, maybe down to even Alvin Kamara. And so the ADP, um, value of, of some of these guys that are ultimately, yes, if you assign a positional rank to them, um, you know they're going to have a higher or lower number than one another. And you know, one one's RB 17 by ADP and one's RB nine by ADP, but what they're going to give you in points per game is going to be very, very equivalent. Um, So, you know, I I think that's, that's one thing that I, It's sticking out here. I don't know that that's what would actually ever happen in an NFL season because you're not really adjusting for injury in these models, but um, it is kind of interesting to, to look at that assuming 17 games of health, Two other names stick out here. The first one would be Dalvin Cook, RB thirteen. So I want to hear a little bit about that because that's, I mean, a pretty big warning shot. He's he's still going in the first round most of the time. And then our old buddy Kareem Hunt at RB twenty um, in <laughs> Cleveland, despite you know all the crazy craziness going on in Cleveland, and, and maybe a Deshaun Watsonless season for Cleveland would lead to what we had seen, you know, before 2021, which was a heavy focus on the run game again, and plenty for both of those guys to get. So anything you want to add on Cook or Hunt?
1: Yeah. So Cook, um, I guess the first thing I would look at here is the team play volume. Now last year they only rushed 43% of the time, which took them out to around 450 plays. I think that this year you see a slight decrease in their pacing, nothing major. And if I'm actually expecting that rush to pass volume to stay somewhat flat, drop them down to 42% rushing. Uh, But even with 4.5 yards per carry, um, you know, strong receiving numbers, he's getting to 258 rushing attempts, uh, 60 targets, those are good numbers. But one of the things I think could hold him back a little bit is I did kind of throttle down the rushing touchdown numbers this year as a lot of the things that I have looked at in models that you would build objectively are starting to forecast a bit of a decline for Cook in some of those measures that you would look at last year, it was was at a rushing touchdown percentage of just 0.02 earlier on in his career. He had normally been at 0.05 the last Mm. two years this year. I put him at two and a half. So actually, you know, assuming he can bounce back a little bit from where he was last year. Um, so I think this is one of those projections where some of my thought on that player is creeping into what I'm projecting this year. Um, but I don't feel like I'm penalizing him too much for that in the model, uh, it really just comes down to, in comparison to some of the, you know, players that you might expect to see go one through six, his, uh, overall play volume
2: just isn't as high. Anything you want to add on hunt?
1: Yeah. So the the Cleveland projection is really tough to do this year, Curtis, um, because you have to make this big delineation of, do you try to split between Deshaun Watson and another quarterback who I think might be Jacoby Brissett, or do you assume that maybe Baker gets in there? I actually took the approach of assuming that Watson isn't playing and just put in my assumptions, assuming that you have a replacement level quarterback uh, operating for them. Um, As a result, I think that you're going to see rushing attempts be fairly flat with passing attempts. Um, So maybe like a 47 to 53 split. And I think that you do see... With a quarterback that's not going to be rushing a lot, you see Hunt getting to around maybe 33 percent of rushing attempts uh, to Chubb's 50. But I think that Hunt, when I look at the receiving core this year, could still get up into the double digits for a target share. So as a result, that helps him stay um, in that running back two type of zone. But in comparison to all the teams in this league, the Browns are definitely up there on you know assumptions that you have to make that could easily go the complete opposite direction.
2: Yeah, and and I I kind of buried the lead there a little bit, but Hunt RB twenty, Chubb RB twenty one, in this ranking set because basically on the strength of or primarily on the strength of that that receiving work. So I think, um, you know, that's ace work by you. Uh, Would encourage everyone to get in there, especially at running back. Man, it's just just always such a tough position um, to solve for. But you know, in those in those uncertain situations, uncertain backfields, oftentimes. Um, you know, we found some of those league winning values to be, you know, taking the RB two and those offenses. And, you know, we've flag planted on cream hunt in years past, he came out gangbusters last season. And then unfortunately, you know, his, his year was derailed by injury. Um, so, you know, it looks like in the 2022 first pass projections that we're forecasting that 2020 brilliance from, from hunt again. Quickly at receiver, you know, we already highlighted a couple of the guys that, that changed teams in the top 20. So let's get a little bit deeper. As we were talking pre-show, a couple of the guys that stood out to you. Well, um, actually, do Do you think
1: that we should split this into two so that we have thorough time to talk about these receivers?
2: Oh, you want to do more the tight you want to do receivers and tight ends another day? Yeah, I think, I think that they fine.
1: actually might deserve their own episode because there, there are a couple players I actually want to dig into. And rather than just me give my thoughts back, I, I also want to get some input from you to help me see if I need to make some tweaks here.
2: Okay, then a couple bonus names at running back to yep. close the episode here then. Um James Connor. Would be massive. Would be getting massively overdrafted if Dave's projections come true. He he checks in at RB twenty four in this set. Chase Edmonds RB twenty five, hot on his heels. We see Tony Pollard projecting above Zeke Elliott uh, by uh, not quite a point a game. Um, So changing of the guard there. And then, you know, some other really interesting things. Um, Dave and I off air have been talking about, you know, what happens in New Orleans as a result of the potential Alvin Kamara suspension. I like seeing, you know, Mark Ingram, um, you know, creeping around that RB 36 area. And if you were just looking at year end production there, that's nothing to really uh, write home about. But, you know, that production could come concentrated, you know, you know, really concentrated maybe in the first month of the season or something like that. So all kinds of great stuff. Kenneth Walker and the Seattle Seahawks look like a total abyss of fantasy scoring. So, um, get in there, let us know what you think. Uh, you can, you can drop us a line, uh, in in our email inbox or on Twitter. And, you know, we can respond, uh, with some dialogue throughout the summer.
1: Final thing I would encourage you, if any of this you're hearing, you're like, that's crazy pop in the projection machine And play around. I can only in the final number show one possibility. There's a ton of possibilities. uh, So I always think it's a great exercise to get in there and play around with it. We will be back again this week. Thank you for listening to the Roto Viz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and at C. Patrick NFL. Leave us a.